The Bucks are heading to San Antonio and uh, they won't have any of the stars again. Giannis will miss a second game with knee soreness. We will, of course, discuss that and what that potentially means moving forward. We have new jerseys, blue jerseys. And of course, every time there's a new jersey, people get fired up. They get excited. They get very angry. Uh, we're going to discuss what we think about the new jersey. And then I want to talk about Javon Carter a little bit more because that 36-point performance yesterday uh, was simply insane. And I just got stopped on the street. Uh, Justin by someone and they said uh, how did you know that you were ready to podcast today and what time did you realize that today was a day for you and I said when I woke up backs him down Giannis into the lane Giannis spinning fading shot up good for Giannis at the buzzer Bucks win it Welcome to Locked on Bucks. My name's Kane Pittman. You can see and hear me on this show Monday to Friday and also find my work over at ESPN. Alongside me from the Bucks Radio Network, the man that does the pregame show, the postgame show, and sits in the analyst chair as well, Justin Garcia. Uh, we thank you for making Locked on Bucks your first watch or first listen of every day. Wherever you're listening, we appreciate it. Uh, make sure you subscribe wherever it is, particularly on YouTube, though. 4.62 subscribers. Uh, Justin, we're on the road to 5,000. We need to get to 5,000 definitely before Christmas. We've got about six weeks there and uh, five weeks there. So before Christmas, we want to get to 5K subscribers and make sure you jump in the comments and get involved in the conversation. There's always some pretty serious debate in there and uh, ultimately, it's just a whole lot of fun uh, for me as well. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. That's bet online where the game starts. Uh, Justin, what do you think of my delivery of that uh, terrible <laughs> Javon Carter gag? Because I, I don't think it, I think I could have done better. Um, I wasn't sure where you were going until the very end. So like that makes it oh. pretty good. As soon as you delivered the final line, it, it pulled it all together. So I think you did a good job with it. Oh, good. A real cliffhanger for everyone yeah. watching or listening. And by the way, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Zora Stevenson, uh, who we love, uh, interviewed Javon Carter post game. And Javon is, I, I've never, he wasn't in Milwaukee when I was in Milwaukee. And he's definitely an intense character when he's on the court. He's intense in his interviews as well. But yeah. I think it's a little bit of a bit now. I think he intentionally wants to be short with Zora, which I, you know, it's kind, uh, it's kind of funny. What do you think? I don't know. I don't, it's not a bit. Uh, we had him on after. It must have been the Thunder game on uh, oh. the home game against the Thunder. He was our radio post game interview, and it was the same thing. It was incredibly short, and he, I mean, as if Bucks fans <laughs> needed more of a reason to love him, uh, yeah. he was completely out of breath, walking off the floor, putting on the headset, and talking with Dave and I. He was still trying to catch his breath as he was answering questions. So, like this guy is literally out there giving everything and then out of breath for the radio interview. No, I wrote on the YouTube comments because I said, I, if you've listened to this show for long enough, you will know that I have my opinions. I say whatever I say. And if I get proven wrong, I got no problem with, with saying that I was wrong. And I must admit, even to this point, forget last night. Last night was absolutely awesome. But the contributions he's had on a nightly basis so far have already exceeded what 
yeah, probably where my expectations were. So I got no problem in saying that. But he was interviewed by Zora, and Zora asked him, yeah, he made a few shots early. Uh, at what point did you realize that you had it going and you needed to continue? And he said, when I woke up. And it was just like, and just dead serious, like stared her directly in the eyeballs. And uh, there was no hint of a smile there as well. So pretty classic stuff uh, from Javon. I want to talk about more about Javon later in the podcast. So make sure you hang around for that. But let's start with this game against San Antonio, 7 p.m. Central Time, Friday night. Hoops, the Bucks are going to close this road trip and hopefully go two and one. But they're going to do it without Giannis, without Drew, without Chris, without Pat, and without Joey Ingles. So... Uh, yeah, very, very short-handed again. But let's just straight up talk about the Giannis knee. So knee soreness comes up. And I bring it up because I know that there's going to be a section of our listeners that are like, who cares? Don't talk about it. It's nothing to worry about. But the facts are, there are people that are worried about it. So what do you read into this a second game missed this early in the season uh, with the knee soreness? Um, I don't read a whole lot into it. Um, it's... You and I were kind of talking before that I I think it's kind of um, an understanding coming into each season that Giannis is going to miss X amount of games. And I'm sure part of that is going to be legitimate of uh, banged up or any type of minor injuries that would occur throughout the course of the season. But they, I'm sure the coaching staff has a number in mind of our goal is we don't want him to top this many games. So I think just looking at the schedule and the fact that you have the weekend off and once you return home, you're basically playing home for the rest of the month. You have two road games after tomorrow night and one, it's a one-off on next Friday. And then at the very end of the month, another one in New York. So my read into it is especially hearing the way Bud handled the question yesterday of, yeah, he. this is something that we're going to go through with him every year with some of his wording, and we just need to be cognizant of getting him treatment and making the knee stronger and yada, yada, yada. I think if you read between the lines, it was basically, yeah, this is kind of designated rest time for Giannis. I mean, I think on this show we've talked about kind of surprising that, and to be honest, I was surprised somebody like Brooke Lopez wasn't on the injury report for mm-hmm. tomorrow when you look at, man, there's a lot of guys that have played every single game for the Bucs so far, including Brooke Lopez, who last year, this time last year, I think is when people were starting to have the legitimate discussion of not when will Brooke Lopez come back, will Brooke Lopez come back? When you think about a seven-footer and a back issue that he was going through. So uh, I think this is just kind of one of those patches that they've been really shorthanded and I mean, look at his usage rate and everything else. You've been asking a lot of Giannis. So I think this was kind of a, here's a way to get him basically a week's worth of rest. If resting the knee and then doing it again on Friday where you'll play Monday in Atlanta, you don't play again until the following Monday. Yeah, the knee soreness isn't going to go away. Once you have that kind of tendonitis or long-term uh, sort of knee pain stuff, it's going to be something that they've managed and is something that they've managed for a very long time. Uh, my theory is that it's tied to the Drew Holiday uh, ankle injury. So, firstly, they sneak a win last night. So, if they didn't win last night, are they more inclined to play him? I know it's super early in the season, but I do think that picking up that win on the road helps. They at least, you know, worst case, it's a one one or two road trip. You feel okay about it. Uh, but the Drew Holiday ankle, I think, uh, plays into this because I think 
when I was thinking in my head and our listeners and perhaps you, Justin, will correct me or, or remind me of moments when it's happened, but I remember the Bucks have definitely played games where Chris Middleton's been the one guy. They've played games where Drew Holiday's been the one guy and, and probably Brooke. Brooke seems to be the one that always plays when he's been healthy, but those guys have played one out. I don't really ever remember. It seems to me that the Bucks, if they have a situation where those other two guys are out, they're just like, eh, let's not put the Rolls-Royce on the floor. Let's put the Rolls-Royce in the shed overnight because what's going to happen if you don't have Drew Holiday and you don't have Chris, we saw what Javon Carter did. We saw what these other guys did. Spectacular. But the reality is, if Giannis is out there, the Spurs aren't going to care about the other guys. They're going to say, Giannis, you want to score on us? You're going to be on the floor. It's going to be physical, and you're going to have to work twice as hard as you do any other night. And the physical toll that he would have to go through, it just does not seem worth it at this point of the season when you don't have the other guys out there. So I think I think there's a bit of that as well. Well, I don't know. I mean, I saw the Thunder double-teaming Javon Carter last night, so I've officially seen everything. Um, but, yeah, I we were actually looking through this before tip yesterday to see what's the number uh, – for record when the Bucks don't have any of those three guys. And prior to last night, it was technically 0-5, but it was for all intents and purposes 0-6 because one was the Drew Holiday bonus game, which was the final game last year where he played eight seconds. So you count that one as a loss as well. But I think there was one game that I came across where Drew and Chris were out and Giannis played, but that was it. There was a handful yeah. of what you already said of, of Chris is the only guy or drew was the only guy. So yes, it's an extreme rarity that it's, we got nobody Giannis go get him. All right. We need to talk about the uniforms. And then, as I said, I've already teased it, the Javon Carter chat. I know he's incredibly popular with Buck fans right now for a very good reason as well. He's a, you pointed to the work ethic of Javon Carter, just an extremely easy guy to like and follow on this team. So we're going to talk about that. More blue jerseys next, but now we're going to talk about our sponsor of the podcast, betonline.net, which is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer to esports. We've got it all covered at betonline.net. Now, uh, I mentioned this the other night. When will Kyrie Irving return to the Nets? Within 11 to 20 games, plus 125. That's the favorite. Uh, he will never return to the Nets, plus 150. I'm I'm a little surprised by that. I'm pretty sure he's going to return to the Nets, and I'm certainly sure that he's going to be back playing NBA basketball at some point. That's my opinion. Uh, but betonline.net has you covered with all those sports, all those odds and lines that you can find, particularly for our audience here that's invested in the NBA. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. That's BetOnline, where the game starts. Uh, also, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. We reference that uh, a lot on this show, but because uh, it's not just basketball, but I know a lot of our listeners. Bucks priority number one, but there's other sports that you're interested in. So check out the Locked On Sports Today uh, podcast to catch up with all of that stuff. So the blue jerseys or the city edition jerseys, I actually look. People that have listened to this for a long time know that I am uh, not exactly. A jersey enthusiast. I, I never really come in with any scorching hot takes on the different jerseys. So I didn't know that this was dropping this morning. But nonetheless, it's always pretty cool. They dropped the 30 City Edition jerseys or however many there were. 
uh, and I'm on there. I'm scrolling through, and I'm getting a good laugh, getting a chuckle out of a couple of them. Charlotte, uh, shout out to you. And, <laughs> and you know, but overall, it's a fun exercise to see all these different jerseys. And a lot of the times, and this will be something that we'll talk about, you have no idea what jersey is what because they're so different to colors and all those things that they have worn before. But I'm going to pull this up on the screen and throw it to you, Justin. Here is the City Edition jersey. And if you haven't uh, seen this, and that's why you should be on YouTube because it's up on the screen. And you can see the tweet from the official Milwaukee Bucks account. That is no parody right there on Twitter. That is the official account. Uh, And this is the blue jersey, Justin. So what do you think? Let's throw it to you first. And by the way, I'll just say quickly, uh, Camille was going to join us on this podcast tonight. She's just messaged and said that uh, she's just leaving the movie theater. So uh, shout out to you, Camille. I hope you enjoyed the movie. We'll catch up next week. All right. Blue Jersey, what do you think? Well, I'm going to need a review on um, on the movie first to know whether or not I should use the weekend off to go see it. But um, I like it. Uh, I liked the previous Blue Jerseys, yes. but I like this one better. Hmm. And... Um, I think we kind of buried the lead too. The to me, the most important part because it oh, was boy. the number one gripe everybody had two years ago mm. with the blue jerseys is the alternate court will be for the blue jerseys now. So you mm. don't have to complain about the Bucks playing in the blue jerseys and playing on the traditional green court. They're going to have a court that matches these jerseys when they uh, unveil them for the first time on Wednesday. Yeah, I well, it's a mistake. I did see the the blue court. Uh, up there i think it just has the state of wisconsin in the middle is that correct blue i believe so yeah and then it's blue around the baseline and and sideline so anyway yeah it's a nice touch if you can add that uh there with the court i think a lot of people were asking why they didn't have a purple court all those types of things Uh, ultimately if you have all these different jerseys everyone would love to have a different court for everything but it's not uh realistic i think i read and i'm not 100 percent over this but i think i read that they're wearing this jersey 13 times potentially the first time next week against cleveland did you see that um i don't know how they're gonna wear them every wednesday so every time they have a home game on a wednesday they'll wear them then so like 13 ish sounds accurate at least 13 because i think you can wear your city into the postseason as well. Obviously, the Bucks did in that run to the finals. So mm. um, that sounds right. And it'll be for every Wednesday home game that they're wearing them. I was also, um, I mean, I really like the jerseys this year, the entire mixture of them. I, it was long overdue to update the Fear the Deer jerseys. I think they had just kind of gotten stale. And this version of it, to take the earned jerseys from last year and basically turn them black is much better then especially last year's that just kind of seemed uninspired that it was just let's throw some black out there again um i like the city jerseys obviously who doesn't like the except maybe frank from what i can tell who doesn't like the purple jerseys unless you're a child in the 90s and it just makes you remember losing uh so i like all of them that they've unveiled so far and i was kind of surprised to see a lot of the commentary on social media for people uh, look, I liked it as well, but people really clamoring for the cream-colored jerseys coming back. And our pal Dustin Godsey chimed in saying, we can't, that there's basically rules in what you can and can't do, which, I mean, if you look around, you mentioned everybody releasing theirs today. I mean, look at what Miami has done, where it's basically the same jersey every year, but it's a different color of the ransom notes and everything else. The Miami right. Vice jerseys, they just changed the color scheme. So uh, cream is basically no more for the bucks so that's unfortunate but yeah it's to me this seems like 
a, a, an upgrade over the blue jerseys they had two years ago. We should be able to have a different YouTube frame uh, for this podcast. If they wear purple, we've got purple on the frame. If they wear the blue, we put the blue on the frame. I don't know. I might inquire because uh, that won't be something that I'll be doing, but it will inquire with the uh, people that are higher up the chain than me. I, I think the biggest thing with jerseys, and I don't care about it, but the biggest thing with jerseys with fans that are ultimately against this is the idea that no one identifies the Milwaukee Bucks with blue. So fine. That's absolutely correct. I understand that. Uh, they also wore, you know, the yellow Mecca jerseys a few years ago. I mean, as I said, they've gone through and worn all these different colors now. Uh, my question would be, and this is the wrong forum to ask this because you are going to remember this unless you surprise me, but what color did the Bucks wear in game six of the NBA finals? Uh, they wore the black ones. That's right. Yeah. And so my point would be, who associates when people think about the Milwaukee Bucks black? Well, who no is- one. And who associates teal with the Phoenix Suns? Well, that's right. So so here's my point, uh, ultimately why none of this matters at all. Because if you care about the Milwaukee Bucks, and if you want this team to win, then I would be very surprised if you were sitting there on game six of the NBA Finals or now if you ever see any highlights of Giannis with the trophies and you sit there and say, screw this, I I am disgusted by the Milwaukee Bucks winning this title and wearing in black. Who cares? Why does it matter? Well, and I know it was, it's a trim in the updated jerseys when they made that change, geez, what, seven or eight years ago now that they updated to the current logo. But um, for as popular as they are, who associates cream with the Milwaukee Bucks? No one. This is the point. So uh, the whole idea of, like, what is the brand? Like, go back to the brand. What are, is uh, what do you identify the Milwaukee Bucks with? I mean, they've had every color under the sun over the course of the last 50 years. So it just to me, that idea just means nothing to me. You'll remember different eras, and I get it. If you want to look back at highlights and cards and posters and all those things and just have one defined color and think that that is the era that I remember, then okay, but... It's changed, and I just don't think it matters that much. As long as they're winning on the floor, you're going to remember this as the Giannis era, and I doubt you're going to sit there and be totally pissed off that they wore blue or they wore gray or they wore black. I mean, it's just, a, a, who cares? Well, and so to me, the the interesting part is this is, what, the sixth year, I think, of the city jerseys and the Nike collaboration. Um I mean, I know our our friends in the marketing department are very creative for the Bucks, but what's left at this point? You know, like we all were asking for purple to come back. It's happened when they introduce cream people. Oh, they should do a cream color jersey. That happened. The Mecca one happened. And um, I think there was some. I mean, I was definitely one that said I wouldn't mind seeing blue because of the inclusion of the blue trim on the floor and the uniform. But at this point, I'm almost fresh out of ideas. The only things that are left, you would think, are bringing back the Irish rainbow and doing a nod to the 80s. Uh, I mean, dare I say, do they tip the cap to the Christmas jerseys and the Christmas tree jerseys and we see a red jersey in the coming years? Well, the only caveat I would have with uh, my strong non-opinions I'm pretty strong on my non-opinion of, uh, of the jerseys today. I, I just found myself getting fired up there. I apologize. But the one thing I would say is that I, I would be interested to know, you know, with someone like Marcus that played in the 80s and had such an influential 
uh, time with the franchise, whether he cares, because that that would mean something. If Marcus sat back and said, "You know, I, I don't like the fact that they're wearing all these," now I can't imagine him saying that. But yeah. but if he did feel that way and said, "You know, I wish that we wore the colors that we wore." when we had those really successful teams when I was around, then that would carry some weight for me because I think that you do have to ensure that you're always acknowledging uh, the superstars of your franchise from the past. And I, if I, again, I don't really care too much about jerseys, but if there was one jersey that I looked at and I really did enjoy, it was the old school white um, with some red uh, the, that they wore at the, the Mecca. The Mecca. Boston on yeah. that very old and dusty court. Well, and... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> You're on fire tonight, and um, the the Mecca jerseys. Remember what was that? Was that the earned or whatever the yeah. fifth jersey was they had that year, where they basically took those and made them white with uh, yeah. green and red, Christmas. and they wore those a couple of times. They wore one on they wore it on Christmas Day against the Knicks. Those were nice too, um, and yeah, those kind of evoked memories of Marcus Johnson's era, where you had the red and the green in the jerseys as well. Uh, also, I guess we'd be remiss if we didn't make the easy connection of at some point, uh, maybe it's the, we are officially out of ideas, but don't you have to do like a blaze, blaze orange and do the deer hunter version? Oh my goodness. Uh, remember that uh, April fool's day that uh, <laughs> had everyone thinking they were wearing orange or certainly tricked uh, a few people there. Anyway, let us know what you think about the jerseys. I'm sure that we'll get some, uh, vibrant feedback on the youtube channel so make sure you jump in there and jump in the comments let's talk about javon carter so 36 points 12 assists and for good reason i listened to a few podcasts this morning scrolling through twitter all those types of things uh, there was genuine shock from fans that didn't watch that game like Javon Carter did what? He had these numbers. Now, yeah, if you look at who wasn't in the game, I guess it, it makes a little bit more sense. And I mentioned this before, hard work pays off. When we spoke about this Bucks team at the start of the season, we were trying to find where, ways where if they're not changing the roster over a lot, who are the guys on this team that actually have room to develop? So Marjan Bochamp, easy. Uh, Grayson Allen's been someone that I've been high on and I'm still high on him. There is obviously some negative talk around Grayson. I think part of that is because people just want to have a trade. So they just they just think that it's it's time to trade. I think it's too early in the season to tell. I think he's had some good moments. But Grayson's someone that's young enough to potentially get better. And as I already mentioned at the start of this podcast, Javon Carter is a guy that is in the age and experience in the NBA where he can get significantly better. And I overlooked him, no question. Yeah. So we'll see whether he is a guy moving forward. As for last night, what that means immediately, who knows? We'll see what he does tomorrow night. It's going to be fun to see him you know, try and back up that type of performance. As I mentioned, he took 27 shots. So what that performance means in terms of what he's going to do when all the stars are back, probably not a lot because he's not going to play that role. He's not going to take those shots. I think overall the shot profile of Javon Carter is interesting because I got a few comments in the, in the YouTube uh, streams suggesting that you know, Javon's good because he can create his own shot. He can finish at the rim. He can do all this. And I was like, well, we haven't really seen that right. to this point. So I went to cleaning the glass and had a look at his numbers. So 56% of his shots coming 
from three-point land, 27% from the mid-range. Now, it's only early in the season, but that is very close to his career averages and only 17% coming at the rim, which you brought up on the podcast the other night. He hasn't been looking to score too much at the rim. He's been looking to facilitate. And I think part of that is because he's he's always hovered around the 50% mark scoring at the rim, which is in a very, very low percentile. Uh, he hasn't been a good finisher at the rim. Now, last night, maybe it was just one of those nights where everything was going, but he had some legitimately crazy finishes yeah. uh, in traffic at the rim. So I'm just curious to see where it all balances out and if his ability to finish at the rim is something that maybe continues to develop. But to this point, it hasn't been a big feature. No, and um, I think I think part of it is his size too, obviously. That oh, he's absolutely, a big- yeah. He's a bit undersized, that's fair to say, but um, he has seemingly gotten a little better throughout the course of the season at um, figuring out how to use his body to shield the defender, and that's helped his finishing around the rim. But um, when you give those numbers about his his shot profile, uh, I am a little surprised that it's such a large swing. I know that's what his career has been, but it does almost feel like we've seen more mid-range attempts from him Mm. Uh, this year so that's the only thing that would really stand out to me but I gotta tell you for the last couple of games uh, afterwards on our post game shows I've kind of been banging the drum too of I know we're not there yet but when this team is healthy I really think I'd keep him in the starting lineup and I would go with Drew and Javon and Chris and Brooke and Giannis and it's your defense that's going to keep doing because you think about that backcourt with Javon Carter's going to pick you up the length of the floor. If they switch off, then it's either Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday that's picking you up. And, I mean, just because of Drew Holiday's versatility, you can easily play Javon Carter as your two, and they can basically defend any backcourt in the league with Drew's ability to to defend one through four, really. And Javon can certainly defend up a little bit in the backcourt. And then the bench has been extremely productive so far this season, but also – it gives you the opportunity to say Grayson and Bobby, you're just coming off the bench to score and you're going to juice our bench offense. you got guys that can still defend off the bench. Pat Connaughton will do that. We think based off what we've seen from the last week, Marjan Bochamp will definitely do that too. So uh, I did not envision saying that when the season started, but 11 games into the season of, I've kind of really eight or so games into the season, you reach the point of like, you know what? I would like to see him. I'd like to see this unit keep going. And I, I think Javon should stay in the starting lineup. Yeah, I'm probably with you. I think I've come around now. I, I still, if you ask me today, if the playoffs started tomorrow, I would probably still, depending on the matchup, consider putting Wes in there yeah. just for the size and the different things he can do. Uh, but also having Javon in there as, you know, primarily a guy that's just going to defend the point guard. We've seen him take some of the load off Drew Holiday as well, which I think the cumulative effect of what that does during the regular season I think is also important. I think it's handy to have a guy like Javon because you're not worried about the workload with Javon Carter. He he can play as many minutes as you need him to play. He's young, hasn't had a long career to this point. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I, I'm probably with you. And then we'll see over the course of the regular season whether it becomes something that, okay, yeah, maybe we'll put Wes back. We'll, we'll have more of a sample size of what Javon does in different matchups against better teams. And I know we've mentioned Boston a lot, but Boston, where they have significant size, uh, where they can potentially try and attack uh, Javon Carter in switches there. We'll see what that looks like. Uh, But to your point, and you just made me think about this on the spot. So if there was one thing that the Bucs haven't really had 
really ever in the Bud era. It's it's serious firepower off the bench. They just haven't had it. So if you look at it, and as you pointed to, Bobby Portis, Grayson Allen, but then you throw in Joe Ingles there, who's a really good pick-and-roll operator, plus shooter, you think he's someone that can juice up the offense and give you some different different looks with that reserve uh, group there. So there's three guys that you have, plus Pat Connaughton, who's going to come back in. And then there's your nine. And then if George Hill is the guy who, by the way, I mean, if we can all just acknowledge that with certain sections, George Hill can't do anything right because I saw slander of Hill yesterday. He had 12 points, five assists, three steals, only one turnover, three for six from the field. He was, I thought he was good. I thought he's, I thought he's been good overall this season. And, um, I don't think anybody is suggesting that George Hill is going to be the guy he was, you know, at the no, midpoint of his yeah, career. Yeah. I mean, he, he's and clearly... not only that, he's not capable. Cause I saw this come up about yeah. the Javon Carter, George Hill comparison. Like George Hill is not capable of doing what Javon Carter did yesterday. That's fine. No, but Javon's right. been playing heaps. So it's not like he's stealing his minutes. Yeah. He's, he's clearly at the back end of his career, but I mean, I don't see how you can have any gripes with anything that George Hill has given you so far this yeah. year that he's, he's been productive off the bench. He has been much better than he was a year ago. And I know a lot of people wanted to to deem it an excuse when we heard him really chronicle what he was going through health wise last year at media day. But I mean, it checks out when you watch him play this year of, yeah, he, he looks much different. He's more aggressive. He's hitting shots. And I mean, he still knows what to do in this system. And that is basically more important than anything. Uh, but back to the bench thing. So it was basically Bobby Portis's first year when I want to say he was averaging like 11 or so points off the bench for the Bucks. You can't count what he did last year because he was basically a starter for you. Prior to that, it was, I think it was Greg Monroe the year before he was traded when he was uh, just pushed to the second unit, and he averaged around 12 points a game. That's it. Bobby Portis and Greg Monroe, you got to go back even further than that to think about, man, when was the last time the Bucks had a big-time volume scorer off the bench? Yeah, not sure. Our listeners will let him know. I, I can't think of any like straight off the top of my head that were every night uh, bringing it. Yeah, I, I'm not 100% sure. But, yeah, I, I just think it's exciting. If this team can finally get healthy, uh, you talk about – those 10 guys that I mentioned, and then obviously we've seen Marjan Bochamp, but I watched a bit of the game again today, and I just want to make one quick point on Marjan Bochamp before we wrap this up. The way he runs in transition, how quickly he sprints to get, whether it's a corner or to fill the lane and see if he can get a, a, a cheap dunk. He, with Giannis and Drew and all those guys playing, if he finds a way to continue to get minutes, it's not always perfect, but he does just do the things... The little things, well, and that's very simple. Like, but he just sprints down the floor in transition, and it's very noteworthy. And not everyone does it. It's it's stuff like that. I mean, it's overall his his athleticism overall, but it's also things like that that make up for mistakes. Where yeah. we've talked about before. I mean, it, you you expect it to happen as a rookie that he's going to be lost at times and not know what his assignment is. We've seen it a couple of times even in the games he's played well, but because of doing that and because of his athleticism, I've seen him make up for being in the wrong spot just because of that, which is who's the last guy we had that you could really say that for, especially at this young of an age. And you've already started to hear some comparisons to, to Dante, which is 
unfair because they're very, very different players. It's just, you know, who was the last rookie the Bucks had that you actually got something out of and it looked like you were going to develop. It's not a great track record right now when you look at the young guys of Dante's production, Malcolm Brogdon and Giannis. That's basically it that you've had for your young guys here in the last decade or so. But I mean, he's he's going to take a turn for the worse at some point. Not that it'll be sustained, but he's going to have games where he doesn't look good. But let's just soak this up as much as we can because he looked incredible against the Thunder. Oh, I agree. And to your point, yeah, he will uh, make mistakes. But with the comparison with Dante, Dante made plenty of mistakes and he was erratic and did some crazy things and took some crazy shots. But I think Bud was able to overlook it because overall he wasn't, falling asleep on defense he wasn't lazy and i think that he there are some characteristics in that regard that are similar to dante which is you make the comparison because they're well you hope he'll join dante as one of the rare younger players that have been able to really lock down minutes this early in their career yeah and you know look this isn't the the dante divincenzo podcast but the the unfortunate part for uh, marjan is everything we just spent the last 20 minutes talking yeah. about in the depth and that <laughs> when these guys come back and they're going to be coming back, they're playing his position. And I think part of it is obviously you can't compare the defense of Marjan to Jordan war. They're two very, very different players in terms of their mindset and, and where their skills lie. Um, but I do think part of the struggles that we've seen from Jordan Wara, who I think I was probably as vocal as anyone saying, he's he's doing some of the things that we asked for and he's he's giving that effort on defense he's making the extra reads and the extra pass uh that's all you want to see from him we've seen that regress in the last week and i think a lot of it is a going back to last friday seeing marjan bochamp start to have a breakout against the timberwolves and then just keep building on it and b i mean he can hear all the chatter as well he knows pat Connaughton, chris middleton they're very close to coming back Joe Ingles is coming back at some point. What does that mean for me? So it, it's kind of easy to slip back to the, all right, I know I can score. So that's how I got to stand out. That's exactly right. And he doesn't exactly, uh, Marjan, that is, uh, doesn't strike me as someone that's going to uh, complain or sulk about the, the situation when it all happens. He seems like he's pretty excited to be a part of it uh, to this point. Uh, I'm excited to be a part of this podcast though, but let's wrap it up. We've got the weekend. We've got the Spurs game coming up tomorrow on the road like i said be interesting those players including marjan bochamp will get significant opportunities uh, to play well so it's going to be a bit of fun check out the locked on sports today podcast as i mentioned for everything else going on in the sports world after you're done with us make sure you subscribe on youtube uh, let us know in the comments about the jerseys about Giannis knee about javon carter all the topics we had today i think it's a pretty good pod i feel pretty good about this one uh justin but we'll wrap it up Get stuck into the weekend and we'll be back next week for Justin and myself. We'll speak to you guys then.